Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Brother Sister Show, a family-owned and operated podcast where two siblings keep in touch by talking about movies. I'm Anthony, and I'm joined here with my sister, Livia. Hello. And this week, we're going to talk about her pick, Get On Up. But before that, what's up, Livia? How are you? I am... I'm pretty good. Um, My... <laughs> I... I my wisdom teeth situation is getting a little dire. Not that much. It just now when I when I eat, sometimes I, I hate that I am like getting into this, but I've already talked about it, so might as well update. But like, you know, when when you have just like mouth problems, like if you have like something like a sore, I don't know, something and you, you start eating and then it just like something touches it. And so now it's irritated for like the whole week. Yeah. yeah. The mouth is so stupid like that. Yeah, and so that's annoying. Um I need to make an appointment. <laughs> but yeah, but it's not like it's not bad pain or it's it's mostly just annoying, but that's going on. There is something I've been so I've been hesitating to talk about it, but I feel like I've already talked about my teeth. So let's talk about mental health. So I started to go see a therapist mm-hmm. and like, I just want to break the, you know, the stigma of talking about therapy because I, even though I've only been to one session, I'm already pretty excited, nervous, but I'll but like excited to be able to talk things out. So if you have the means to, and I know there's like tons of, places that you don't need insurance i think like better help is one and there's just like a bunch of places the places the place that i this isn't an ad we don't have any ads on this podcast but i went not real ones no just fake ones that we come up with but i guess a real kind of one is if you were like the whole process of finding a therapist was already so it was so so fucking annoying and it was so hard to try to find one especially with somebody that I haven't had to deal with health insurance because like we like we said before we're we're military kids and so our health insurance is kind of it's just like provided for us up to a certain age and it's so easy with Tricare it's like super simple to do things but now that I am not on that and I have to kind of just be an adult and do my own thing it's really difficult to learn about everything and to because it's so complicated I'm sure you haven't had to deal with it yet, Anthony, but... No, my body is young and I'm healthy. <laughs> okay. But it's like, <laughs> I don't know, it's it's so annoying because like, I I thought that you, all you had to do... Oh God, I'm going to expose how dumb I am. But I thought all you needed to do was to find somebody that accepted your insurance, which is not true. They have to accept your insur- insurance, but they also have to be in network. All this to say, right. they're like all the complicated shit, at least with the therapist, I went to Sondermine.com and it like within not even I think it was within the same day I was able to set up an appointment and they found somebody that was in network. It was just so helpful and I fucking loved it. And it, it was the most simple appointment I've ever had to make. And it's all virtual because, you know, of COVID and whatnot. But yeah. That's so, cool. if you have the means to, um, do it. 
it's nice to have somebody to talk to and to unpack things. I'll update y'all, I guess. I don't know how deep I want to get into it. But um, yeah, it's it's nice to be able to have that. But as far as what I'm watching, um, <laughs> so I haven't been watching that much stuff because I've just been pretty busy. I'll like every whenever I get off of work, I'll do other things for like for the podcast, for our small business, other just like just small projects that I do. But this since we had a long weekend, I was able to watch a couple of things. One is Twilight. <laughs> oh I watched I watched Why? the first movie with Sebastian. And it was a mess. I completely forgot how painful it is to watch that movie. You recently watched all of them, right? Yeah. In the span of like two days. Robert Pattinson's character, Edward, is so creepy. So creepy. I I don't think I realized that until now. And like all of the... I think I knew when I was younger, when I first watched them, I knew that it was like showcasing a bunch of unhealthy relationships but i don't think i realized it until now like watching it as a full adult well i don't i don't know about full adult but you know what i mean but (laughs) yeah it's they're so toxic and it's so fucking cheesy like i i told i was talking to sebastian about it where i was like i don't understand how anybody could make fun of robert pattinson or kirsten like kirsten what's her name stewart right Mm-hmm. Just anybody in that movie and think that they're bad actors because to to have a straight face to any of that dialogue is is a feat within itself. I don't understand how they did that. So the fact that people are like talking shit about them to this day it makes absolutely no sense to me. Um but yeah, <laughs> it's I I think the hardest I've laughed in a very very long time was watching the scene where she first walks into the science class. Oh my goodness. And he's like, I don't know what the fuck he's doing. He's like, t- it looks like he's like shitting himself. <laughs> <laughs> and the fact just... that nobody around him was like, are you okay? Dude? <laughs> 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 he just walked out and left. My God. Yeah. So I've just been like just binging all of the movies. They're, it, they're so, I mean, it's entertaining how bad they are, but they are truly are so bad. But it's like yeah, a Hallmark like movie kind of bad. Like, I don't like them. I don't think they're good movies, but they're really fun to watch. And I, I haven't been able to watch a lot of things like with a group of people. Or just with anybody else, but watching it with Sebastian and us just making fun of it the whole time was really yeah. fun. Um, but yeah, <laughs> I don't understand those movies at all. Oh, I It really makes me sad, too. Or it made me worried. I was like, I, uh, it makes me so uncomfortable that so many uh, like young, impressionable people watched these and were like, oh, yeah, that's how an ideal relationship should be. When I first met Kayla, I immediately threw up by the way she smelled. <laughs> Similar to the way Edward does. I was repulsed. He's like grabbing the playing. table. God, he's so fucking dramatic. Get a grip, Edward. <laughs> and I want to know the timeline because it seems like they, I mean, so he proposed to her 
at the end of senior not even at the end of senior year right no was it the the same movie year no so twilight was when they is when so i should i should map this out so the first one the like the thing that made me uncomfortable was that they were only together for what seems like not even a week and he was already like she's my life you're the rest of my life and i'm like first of all she's 17 I know you're like a hundred and whatever the fuck, but like she's so young, it just and you could you don't know each other. I mean, I kind of I guess I could get the argument of him being alive for like over a hundred years. He's maybe there is some sort of merit to him not ever feeling this way for another person. So maybe it is strange to him, and he's like, yeah, she's the one. But on her end, for her to be so like ready to jump into that, I would be so freaked out. I can't even imagine. Yeah. And then the second it's all very movie. Weird. I think the second. Okay, so the second movie ended. I just watched him today, so I remember this. But the second movie ended when she was like, "What? What the fuck happened?" He came back after he like pulled that. He tried to pull that stunt at in rome or whatever and the movie ended and i I remember this now like i had a flashback when i watched it but um he ended it saying that he wants like she wants him to change her into a vampire and he was like well i have a condition and she was like what what the hell do you want and he said marry me and i remember that because the music dropped and they wanted that to be a moment and i remember watching it in theaters and so many girls gasped and i wanted to leave (laughs) and i was like and then i remember thinking y'all have read the fucking book right like you knew this was gonna happen or maybe not i don't know but yeah now i'm watching (laughs) the one where she's pregnant and she looks like absolute shit (laughs) When she breaks her back. Oh my goodness. I completely forgot about um, that. No spoilers. I'm on the first part. Ah, you've seen it before, right? Yeah. Well, I just thing- got to the part. I had to pause it to record this, so we better finish this real quick. But um, I am at the part where Jacob just learned. I forgot how creepy he was, too. Oh, yeah. Also... Taylor Lautner, I've learned, is not Native American or indigenous at all. <laughs> uh, From what I think, I don't think he is, or he's like at least distant, but problematic, number one. Second, he, I forget, yeah, I forgot how creepy he was. And he's like, whenever they kiss and they're like getting all into it, he's like 16. Yeah, yeah, he's like super young. I didn't realize that. But yeah, I don't know. I, Maybe this is why so many people I know have had such, like, I don't know. I feel like in high school, there's just so many, like, dramatic relationships. And I've always wondered why, like, that does not look fun. But these movies, yeah, these movies make it seem like it's that those kind of relationships are the only ones that passion is involved. You know, like, you can't be passionate without drama or without being, instead of saying, I love you and I want to be with you right now. They have to say, I, I will never last a day without you by my side. Like, it's so fucking dramatic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that was... I, I said it when I when I watched him. I don't yeah. get why Stephanie Meyer is not... In jail? <laughs> in jail. 
Honestly, yeah. Like, how did her publisher read her books and, like, she's completely sane? I mean, like I said, I will I will defend the first book a little bit because it's not bad. I, I, it, from what I remember... In defense, but, I've never read any of them. So. See, yeah. So, for the first one from, like, the mind of a middle schooler, which is when I read it, it, like, it wasn't that bad. The other ones, I have no idea. But... Mm. I don't know. It had potential. I do like some of the... Ugh, I can't believe I'm defending this movie. But I, I do like some of the ideas of, like, you know, the vampires and how they interact with the werewolves. It's just, like, that whole lore. I, I think the thing that bothers me is just the whole, like, how dramatic everything is, you know? Yeah. But I guess if you're selling a young adult thing... I, 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 don't, I don't get... Or I'll say this. So I, I, I understand being dramatic because it's a young adult movie you have to fit a bunch of things within a certain timeline the thing that i do not understand and i will not defend like i said is the toxicity of those relationships and if you're young and you're reading that or if you're if you're young and you're writing like a wattpad kind of fan fiction that's understandable because that's young girls that don't or not just girls i won't say that young people that don't know how a, a relationship should function not that there's one way but there's certain ways that it shouldn't function um but the fact like you said we joke about it but truly uh, the fact that a grown woman would write such toxic things is really troubling to me yeah so that's what i'll say but i don't want to spend more time on twilight we've done enough okay well the next movie that i watch i really want you to watch and I just want to get your reaction from it. It's also one of those that you... I don't want to spoil anything, so I'll just tell you what it is. And a little bit of like how it starts. But I really want you and Kayla to just like sit down and watch it. And just watch... Just like have it unravel before you. So it's a movie called Strange But True. Terrible title. Off to a great start. <laughs> Sebastian and I the whole weekend... <laughs> I was like, like randomly you would say like, well, that's strange, but true. But true. <laughs> it's like, um, would you get in a, a magic eight ball? Yeah, exactly. Or like a fortune cookie or something. Not a movie title. But, <laughs> <laughs> but it has such a stacked cast that I was like, how, uh, how did this movie get under the radar? And for really the first happen. parts of it, I was like, oh, this isn't bad. Like, I don't understand how this movie, like, flew so low under the radar. And then we got, to- like, more towards the end, and I was like, oh, okay. It's bad. <laughs> but um, all I'll say to get you intrigued, because I think this happens within the first, like, scene. But, so, the this girl shows up, this, like, young girl shows up at a family's house and it's holly from the office her house and um she is pregnant and she tells her the mom which is holly from the office and then this uh other kid so she so the reason that they know her is that she was she was the girlfriend of holly's dead son so he (laughs) died he died when they were together and so she's she comes to the house and she's pregnant and she says that her the kid that she's pregnant with is her son's her dead son's kid her making it her grand son yes. or 
kid. Problem is, he died five years ago. <laughs> what? Uh, that's strange, but, but true. true. <laughs> is that yeah. what the mom says? <laughs> that's strange. And, but then, the, and then the girl says, but true. <laughs> um, that's all I'll say. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. I don't really want to watch it. I, yeah, I need you guys to watch it. And um, try to watch it before next time. And then we'll discuss. We'll do a mini, just unless you want to watch it next time. But I really don't want to unpack this movie. No. Um, but yeah, I'll watch it. So that's how I'm doing. How are you? Um, doing all right. Kind of on the similar, like a uh, same note as uh, you going to therapy, which which is awesome. Um, I've been doing meditation. So I listened to this one podcast oh, really? and they were talking about it. And someone suggested the app Headspace. I'm sure you've heard of it. Yeah. A lot of people, like, it's been, it's like a widely used app for meditation. And there's, like, some premium courses, but there's also, like, free ones, some, like, free tier stuff. So I, I tried the basic, like, starter ones, which are only, like, four and a half minutes. And it's just some British dude telling you to to breathe and focus on your breathing and just to let the thoughts like a train like you're watching a train just watch your thoughts go by it's pretty oh, interesting. it's pretty interesting i uh i think i like it it's pretty cool like i'll i'll start it i'll take a deep breath cuz you start with a deep breath and then you just think about nothing and you see your thoughts go by and you don't like attach to them you don't delve into them and then by the time you know it, like the four minutes is over, he's like, all right, you're done. Like, get up, open your eyes whenever you're ready. It's very weird. It's a weird feeling, at least how I've felt. <clears throat> do you feel a different? It's, uh, um, I try to do it in the morning, so I feel uh, pretty calm. Um, I don't, I don't know. I'm going to try experimenting with different times of the day, like maybe like when my classes are all done and I'm like right before I do start more work just like taking a mental break yeah uh so that's that's new um but on on like the opposite end of the spectrum that's like me bettering myself like i'm <laughs> not motivated for school whatsoever i know this is it sounds really bad <laughs> and mom and dad are gonna be like oh <laughs> snaps. but i don't know it's just i don't know if it's because i'm home all the time i gotta do something i'm just like what's the point but I I know I'm just this is a temporary feeling and I'll just I'll get over it or whatever. Or, but it's just been weird I I think because I want to do so much more than just class and and these classes just mm. feel useless. But it's also the beginning of the semester, so maybe when these projects kick in, I'll have uh my mind caught. Now I, I want to start making a video again or just videos in general, but I I haven't had a good idea. You should. I was, yeah. I so I I've had a lot of conversations with people about this, just like feeling um stagnant. I guess like mm -hmm. you're you know you're doing stuff, but you just don't feel yourself moving ahead. Right. And I felt this when I did when I first did freelancing. I hated it, but I think it was just because I always used to equate doing stuff and getting like being productive and getting stuff done. I used to equate it with like going to work and like the act of like going and doing things. 
And when I wasn't able to do that, it really fucked with me. So maybe that's what it is. Like, I I at least just love I I loved commuting. Like, I miss that a lot. And it sounds really psychotic because that's what people hate. But I just loved like even when I had to ride the bus to work, I loved riding the bus. I loved just like having my I felt like I was, you know, like going to my job downtown. Like, it just felt like such a cool thing. And now that I don't have that anymore, it it does feel like a big shift but a negative one but right. i don't know I, I think at least for me what i always tell people because people always not always come to me but like when my friends come to me and say that they feel that way that they don't like their job or that they just like like i said just don't feel like they're doing much i always say to try to like it sucks to I, I always want to tell people like i really want to tell people like oh well then just don't go to school or then oh just quit your job but it's not that easy so that was going to be my advice is to try to find something outside that fulfills you um because i mean i I, personally i'm i'm i am uh privileged to like my job that i have now like my day my day job but i have a lot of other things that fulfill me in other ways that my job doesn't you know Mm -hmm. and right now there are, I have certain days, but I think generally I'm a lot happier than I used to be um, because I used to think freelancing was the bad thing that I didn't like. But now I'm thinking I just wasn't I, I just wasn't in a good mindset. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I maybe trying some new stuff. Like I said, I was streaming. Um, I want to start making videos again. Normally, I just have to have a good idea. I have this one idea that I came up with while I was working on a project uh, for one of my programming classes. And it's a shot that it will, I don't know. I always think of beginning beginnings of videos or ends. And this is a, an end. I just need to like fill out the rest of the three to five minutes with other stuff. I think I'm going to do like try to do an almost an apartment tour, but not like, Hey guys, this is my closet and this is my dresser and here's where I sleep and here's my desk. Like, I don't know. I, I want to try to find a way to, to do that without doing that. Cause I'm here all the time. I legit don't leave. I think cause you were saying you enjoy commuting. I think, I think I might have cause I walked everywhere and like, that was a good, I just would like listen to music or listen to a podcast and just walk to class or to work i'm not doing any of that i'm just the only walking i do is from the bed to the desk and to the restroom when i need to pee yeah well you should also what i've heard people do during like corona times is to recreate that so maybe you if you don't walk anywhere you at least start your day with a walk right or like in between classes, walk somewhere. Because I have like yeah. 30 minutes where I just, I'm like, oh, I got to fill the time with something. Yeah, or like right now what I do is I don't, I don't do that. But I like, I when I wake up, I wake up at least 30 minutes before I have to actually log in. Um, usually sometimes it's an hour, but I, I try for 30 minutes so that I can take my time with like taking a shower. And I actually do, I get dressed 
almost every day. I don't like to just like work or, and walk around in the stuff I slept in. So I kind of recreate that or I now like make my coffee and listen to a podcast that I normally would listen to if I was commuting. So maybe that'll help. I think just making yeah. a routine. Yeah, I just got to find that groove. But I've been, uh, we'll talk about it more, but I think this movie kind of like made me feel unmotivated. I'll go into a little why, but mm -hmm. I've been watching some other stuff. Yeah, kind of a lot. Uh, Kayla and I really, really, release. Uh, recently came into some HBO. Ooh. Um, so we've been going through a lot of that. Um, we watch like the classics from Game of Thrones because we want to watch all of it. But why? I don't know. It's a good. It's a good <laughs> series. Yeah. Uh, I, I we watched the Red Wedding. Um. Whenever Arya gets the phrase back for the Red Wedding, and then the the Long Night in season whatever the latest one was, oh, the season yeah. that shall not be named. And uh, what else? Oh, we watched uh, with her family, Ready or Not. Oh my is, God! Have is this the first time you've seen it? No, I saw it in theaters. Okay, but, so good. Yeah, the end. I'm kind of like, eh. Second time around. Or third time I around. I love it. I, the only thing I don't like is the last line. Yeah, the I hate last it. lines. Ugh. But the... I don't know. I just don't like the the fiancé or husband. <laughs> like him, his character and his actions towards the end. They don't, that they was make the point, a whole though. Lot they... Well, it what, didn't make what, a whole lot of sense to me. What didn't make sense? Like, I get it. He turned. He turned to be bad. <laughs> mm -hmm. But, it, like, it didn't seem like it was... Um, it just seemed forced, almost. I don't... I disagree. Because he always showed kind of a an allegiance. Like, he didn't like his family, but he still liked his mom. And so it made sense to me that that switch flipped because I think he used to think he didn't care about any of his family and he just cared right. about her. But then seeing that she killed his mom, I think that triggered him. I will yeah. defend that movie to the death. I fucking love that movie. Yeah, the last line does it for me. I'm like, Ugh, yeah, man, was... I don't like that line. I wish they would have just had her sitting there. I don't know why they had to have her say something. Yeah, that's pretty dumb. But that, and then the last thing is we've been slowly, oh no, not the last thing. Another thing, before that other thing, <laughs> is we started watching uh, Lovecraft Country, which oh, I don't know if you've seen it. seen it. No, not yet. I know David loves it. Yeah. I watched it. David, I have no idea what the hell is going on. I'm a, we're, <laughs> we just finished the second episode, <laughs> and Kayla and I both agree we feel like we've missed a season. It's like, oh. it's like the first season. I just, it all came out of nowhere. It's just like, it feels like a season finale. Is it based it on something? I think so. I could be very wrong. Um, I think it is. Huh. Yeah, I haven't seen it. I have been watching a... 
Um, if you, I, I, I don't know if you would listen or watch it because it's about cults, and I know you don't like cults, but there's oh a gosh. a mini. I don't know if it's a mini series, but um, a series called The Vow that talks about. I don't know. Have you heard of Nexium? Why does that sound so familiar? You've probably heard of it, but um, it's a cult that recently it, it like I think it's now disbanded. I don't know much about it, but it's it talks it just like talks about some of the people that are like whenever they dis- started to suspect that it was a cult and them trying to get out of it. It's kind of like Scientology a little bit. Oh, I would I would recommend it. it's only I think there's only three episodes. What is it on? HBO. Oh. That's why I recommended it because I just started watching it. It's pretty good. But I don't, you might have seen like a dateline or something, but the big thing about them that I remember was that, so it recruited, recruited celebrities. Like one of them was one from Smallville. I don't know if you watch that show. No, I never did, but I know of it. She and (laughs) in, in one of the, like, there was like a sub cult within the cult where everything started to go to shit and a big thing that i remember happening was that they branded people <laughs> yeah that's intense but you you should watch the show yeah yeah so uh lovecraft country there's a Wikipedia right here. A series about a young black man who travels across the segregated 1950s U- United States in search of his missing father, learning of dark secrets plaguing a town on which famous horror writer H.P. Lovecraft supposedly based the location of many mm. of his fictional tales. So I guess it's kind of based off. It's Do you based think of, you accidentally didn't watch the first few episodes? That's what I was thinking, but no, we <laughs> <laughs> like legit. I was. It's just it's so much has happened and I don't I don't even know. Maybe I'll watch it and see if I agree. I I've could heard just mixed be things. Very, I've heard things dumb. that people really like, or I've heard that a lot of people really like it, but I've heard a f- uh, a few that have not liked it at all. So I don't know. I did very. I liked the first episode a lot, but the second episode it felt like the season finale or something. Like it, mm-hmm. I, I just felt like I missed something. Maybe I did. I don't know. Let me know. There were certain Discord. parts of this movie where I was like, did I miss something? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I he mean, talks so fast, but yeah, we'll talk about it. <laughs> and finally, we've been watching Harry Potter. Oh, yeah. Um, we just finished Order of the Phoenix yesterday, started Castle <laughs> Prince yesterday. Um, <clears throat> the only thing I want to mention is, spoiler, when Sirius Black dies, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know if you remember those that like archway with was like souls in it, but only Harry can see it. Harry and Luna, because they've seen dead people, I guess, uh-huh. or people die. <clears throat> There's a whenever he does die, Sirius, uh, Professor Lupin like grabs Harry to like run out of there with him, and there's no audio. It's just like. Uh, music. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's audio, but it's just music. There's no voice. And Kayla was telling me that, or it's just like Harry screaming because obviously he saw his godfather die. Kayla was telling me that it had to cut it because it was like too real, and it was like it would have been too hard for the audiences. And she said that even uh, Emma Watson was like sobbing whenever it was happening. 
And I was like, man, I, I wish, uh, what's it called? Production companies didn't think audiences were weak. Audiences were yeah, weak. So I, I could why hear would they? <laughs> I was just thinking that, like, and like, don't you want them? Like, that's a huge moment. Don't you want that to be fucking sad? Yeah, I, I was like, I wasn't upset, but I was like, dang, I wish, I wish it's like in a bonus feature somewhere or i, I want to hear it i want to i want to watch that scene with daniel radcliffe because he's a good actor then yeah. after when because like dumbledore and voldemort fight after that and voldemort like possesses him or something mm-hmm. and he's just like crawling around in the on the ground and like that's a good like he's good he's very good but um fun fact they had to cut out and no, i'm kidding <laughs> <laughs> That is that is kind of annoying. There, <laughs> oh man. So I I can be a judgy bitch sometimes, but um, there I saw this one TikTok <laughs> of I see a lot of TikToks of people like oh I I showed my husband or oh I showed my wife blank for the first time, and I was watching one about Inside Out, and I was like I don't know maybe I just. It, it maybe it kind of feels like I, I don't think I'm judging them like I'm not like oh my god why is he crying but part of me was like it was kind of like a I felt like an alien that was observing human emotion for the first time where I was like what about this is making you cry like I don't like <laughs> like I just don't get it <laughs> so like it's like but like yeah it's it's that one part and I will never understand in Inside Out, that one part where that elephant-looking thing, like, disappears, I guess dies, I don't know. But, like, <laughs> it is sad, but there, I've seen so many, so, like, such huge reactions to that scene. And I was like, I, I how, what? Like, I just didn't, I don't get it. But maybe it's just not for me, I don't know. Because I, I feel like if they it, did show... We'd be here a while. It was emotional for you too. No, like, not really. But I could see, I could see it getting emotional. But people like sobbing. Like, yeah, I get because it's a, a couple of tears falling, but like full on sobbing. Yeah, because it's like that donkey, whatever the hell. I want to say was like a, it's. But he was in the movie was, for like ten minutes. <laughs> We didn't even yeah, have but, a chance to get attached to him. I haven't seen that movie in a long time, so I could be But blind. she was attached to him because it was, like, one of her first imaginary friends, right? And, like, so think See, about... The, but maybe it's just, you don't... Maybe it's, like, relating to stuff because I've never had that before. I've never had an imaginary friend. But the no, part no, of no, that no. movie that does make me emotional, not to the point where I saw, but to the point where I almost cry, which is for me is very emotional, is the part where... Her her parents are asking her like what is wrong and she can't tell them and she just starts like crying. That mm-hmm. part is emotional to me. Well, the other thing is it's like she she forgot him. Like yeah. she forgot such a big part of what made her her. I think that's the sad part. Is like there's something that helped you get through something that you forgot about that you you just don't remember anymore i think that's the Mm -hmm. sad part oh me maybe that does make sense because i'm like the most 
non-nostalgic person that I know. Yeah, it's like I don't have the... nostalgia for like anything. Yeah, that's that's what I'd say. Okay. I don't know. I, I mean, that's why I don't want to make it seem like I'm making fun of that guy for crying or anybody that cries that much. <laughs> I just literally look. Sometimes I look at the way we, people react to stuff. And I'm like, how, I don't, I truly don't understand how you had the reaction. Like going back to Twilight, <laughs> whenever yeah. I was in the theater and all those girls gasped, I'm like, yeah, that's exactly what he was going to say. What are you talking about? You know, like I, it was just a so. psychopath. Yeah, I don't know. Like if he, of course he wants her to marry. I, it just didn't make any sense, the kind of reaction people have. But yeah, maybe I just I need that. to study human emotions so I can fully understand what's happening. Yeah. Because I don't get it. Thing. <laughs> that's it that's all i got maybe i should um, let me leave a note for my therapist <laughs> i need to unpack that all right oh the only movie news i have uh is that i know what this is <laughs> the boy what the hell bro so okay but i mean this isn't funny at all but um I remember getting on Twitter a couple of days ago and it said that all the only headline I saw was that the Batman production was paused, which I thought they were almost done with it because they put out a trailer, but I guess it's like 25% filmed or something like that. (sighs) Yeah, I guess. But they, so they started production back up and I was like, well, that's a dumb idea, but, or, well, they said that they paused it and I was like, yeah, of course, (laughs) of course you paused it because somebody got, they said a crew member tested positive for coronavirus. And yeah, I was like, I oh, that, that kind of sucks. And then I, lo- I got off of Twitter. I don't really get on Twitter that much anymore. I get on like maybe twice a day. Um, and I got back on and I saw a tweet that said Robert Pattinson was is confirmed as the person who tested positive. And I mean, like I said, this isn't funny, but the funny part of it to me was that they tried to blame a crew member right i thought it like i same exact thing where i read the first headline i don't know just uh just some gaffer he was like (laughs) hanging out with his buds on a saturday no it's the batman (laughs) batman is sick i hope he's okay i mean i love if if you don't know by now, I love Robert Pattinson. If The Rock can get it and his family, it, anyway, it's it's anyone now. I didn't realize that either, and I because I saw that he was he was like talking in some video, but I just like scrolled past it because I didn't. Understand. I thought it was like an ad, <laughs> and then people were like, "Yeah, The Rock got it and his whole family," and I was like, "Oh God, none of us are safe." I think I think they recovered though. Yeah, I think they're, they're I think they're fine, but. <laughs> that just i i mean i don't know if they intended to do that but that was hilarious to me that they were like a crew member a yeah. lowly crew member <laughs> it was the fucking star of the movie <laughs> oh man i hope he's okay but yeah i hope he didn't give it to anybody else tenets out i mean that's kind of movie news but i guess i don't know i don't even i'm not even interested in seeing it to be honest Man, they're they're really trying to get people to see it because. Uh, Did you see that got... Tom Cruise? <laughs> no, what happened? Oh uh, well, I, I'm gonna send it in the Discord, but um, I didn't watch it fully, but I saw some. There's a video of Tom Cruise where he's like, he went to go see Tenet in an IMAX theater, and they did like a video of him going to see it, and then this 
a comedian that I love. Um, I think his name is Demi. Oh, God, what's his, I can't. I don't know how to pronounce his last name. Um, but I'll send it in the Discord. But he does like a a parody of it of him going to see it, but like in a drive through, and uh, it's so funny. Huh. No, um, what I was gonna say was what was I gonna say? Oh, I I never get notifications on my phone ever. Yeah, but I got one today while I was eating dinner. Mm-hmm. And it was from Regal. I was like, why the hell is Regal <laughs> sending me a push? It was like, see Tenet now and ha- entered to win a life or a, a year full of movies. I'm like, man, they're they're really trying to get people to see this. <laughs> but also, I mean, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> and that's that on that. Right. Strange. But, but true. true. All right, let's take a quick break and we'll be back to talk about the movie. We explore James Brown's rise from extreme poverty to become one of the most influential musicians in history in Get On Up. Directed by Tate Taylor, story by, these are the most amazing names ever, so be ready for them. Story by Stephen Bagelman, Jez Butterworth, and John Henry Butterworth. Written by Jez Butterworth and John Henry Butterworth, starring Chadwick Boseman, Nelson Ellis, and Dan Aykroyd. It had an estimated budget of about $30 million. Opening weekend, it made about $13.5 million. In the U.S., it grossed about $30.7 million. And worldwide, it made about $33.4 million. Critics gave it a 6.9 out of 10 on IMDb, an 80% on Rotten Tomatoes, and a 71% on Metacritic. That ain't bad. Yeah, and honestly, I thought it would have had more of a budget. So yeah, I, I was going to say like, like 50s, 60s. Yeah. I think I, I read something. I didn't keep it in because I was like, nah. but I read something that it was supposed to be made for more, but then they end up having to like compromise and use less money. But it, I, I don't think I realized i I didn't recognize that because the production felt super high quality to me it did all right so we start with james brown when he's older he's i really love this shot of him walking backstage in such a really cool like lighting situation where there's a bunch of spotlights just like spaced out and he's walking in this really cool red suit and it's barely showing his face but you can see it's chadwick with the prosthetics on being a little bit older and you can kind of tell the age like it i thought it would be hard to follow the timeline because they cut back and forth so much but for me it was super easy to tell what age he was by his hairstyle yeah, <laughs> because they... the james round that they show us at the beginning is the one that I recognize because I think when I had the ability to know who that was, he had that hairstyle. Yeah, the like Bob almost. Yeah, it's like super. Um, yeah, it's like a little curly Bob, wavy Bob. Um, yeah, but the prosthetics, I at this moment, we don't see them super heavily, but I don't think they don't look that bad. Yeah, it's all right. It's a little I, distracting just because I already know what Chadwick looks like. So it's kind of hard to like look, uh, you know what I mean? Like look uh, past that. But 
not bad. Especially because, I mean, in the beginning, you, you can't see it, like you said, just because of the way uh, Mr. Brown is walking. Um, and you don't see it again to the end. But And, like, I think that's what hurt it hurts it the most is because you see um like chadwick without the prosthetic throughout mm-hmm. the movie and and then it's kind of jarring at the end yeah because they they age so fast in the in the timeline but i was kind of scared because i'm just kind of tired of like like the bohemian rhapsody oh the my Rocket god Man. yes okay like let's talk about it so i i think that's why i avoided watching this movie so much for so long because the only i can't think of another uh, musician biopic besides walk the line that i actually like there could be one but i can't think of one right now and they all start the same right oh my god yes and it's like flash forward i think but i think walk the line is the only one that does that well i mean this one i think does it well too but that one is like it it it's starts at Folsom prison and then eventually we get back to it at the end but it doesn't feel like gimmicky but this one it surprisingly it has the same look of a bohemian rhapsody and rocket man you know it has that same kind of like I don't know how to explain it other than like cinematography and just the way it was shot looks so similar. So I think that scared me, but I guess to spoil my feelings about it, I, it, it is not like those movies at all. It's like way better, like so much better, but yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe that's something that we can unpack at the end is like, why, how like why bohemian i think bohemian rhapsody is just victim to bad filmmaking in general rocket definitely Man, bad editing oh my god uh, yeah and also like directing too and rocket man i don't really that one was just boring to me <laughs> yeah why are you laughing I don't know. I just which is so <laughs> strange because like all of these movies are about not even walk the line. Like take that out of the equation. But like if we're talking about these three movies, are about the most eccentric and most exciting people in music. And two mm-hmm. of the three happen to be so goddamn boring that I did. <laughs> I wanted to leave. I didn't watch Rocket Man. I watched it at home, but I watched Bohemian Rhapsody in theaters, and I wanted to leave. I was like, this is so fucking boring. <laughs> yeah, I I just. I see why they do it, but I'm just tired of the same like template for these music musician biopics. Oh yeah, it's like, it's like a copy and paste. Yeah. I will it, it say really... though, I feel like if we're talking about the timeline, get on up was before all of these. Yeah, so, yeah that's very true. So I think we have to give it the credit of it is it is overplayed, but it I wouldn't give that same credit, like same critique to get on up because it I don't think it. It like maybe may, I don't know if it made the mold, but it kind of perfected it. If that makes sense. Yeah, it it did jump between the different points of in, in his life. All the time, yeah. Uh, every, every single step of the way through, not like 
Bohemian Rhapsody or a Rocky Man where it was very it was linear until that until the beginning or something right here's a, a apex performance and let's go back to the beginning and then we'll get all the way to the end again <laughs> I do agree though I, I if there is another biopic made I do I if you started a fucking concert I'm leaving yeah it's kind of <laughs> All right, so after this, we... But this is... I will give it the credit, too. This was super short. Yeah. So, and it was just him walking. It wasn't the concert. Um. So we cut to 1988 in Augusta, Georgia. James... Well, okay, let, let me ask you a question. In my notes, just as, like, just because it was quicker, I, I refer to him as James. But do you think we should call him Mr. Brown the whole way? Mr. Brown. Yeah, okay. I called him Mr. Brown. We, because I read that he that want. he because I thought that was just a joke at the beginning, but then I was reading up on him and he there was only one person and that was Ben, which play uh, was um Dan Aykroyd. He was the only person that didn't call him Mr. Brown. Everybody else had to call him Mr. Brown. Yeah, we got to call him Mr. Brown. All right. So Mr. Brown drives up to a building with his own music blasting, which is fucking hilarious. Oh, and this is actually, this is the old makeup too, but it's before this um, concert. And he's wearing an amazing, like, emerald green tracksuit that I I need. Do you remember when tracksuits were, like, a thing? I don't know. I think it was before you. We're going to make some, I'd actually be a perfect (laughs) brother-sister show first uh, line of merch. That that green emerald tracksuit. I kind of would. Drop in 2021. <laughs> um, and so he's walking into this building, and I didn't know what it was at this point. I think it's his, I think it was a recording studio. It was like his business that he owned. Yeah, I think it it had it was a like it was just like a like a strip mall kind of, and he owned all the buildings there, I guess. Yeah. And so he walks into his restroom and then he immediately walks back out because he's pissed that somebody has used his bathroom. He walks into, there's, oh, and I didn't even mention, there's a meeting going on. I don't know what the fuck they're talking about, but there's a bunch of people in his building just having a meeting. So he walks into that meeting. He kind of just busts into that meeting with a fucking shotgun. And he's, like, yelling and just basically just upset that somebody has used his restroom. And so mad that he, I don't know if he meant to, but he shoots a hole into the ceiling. And <laughs> he's like, oh, he somebody's got to fix that. Um, and all of this because some random lady went and shit in his bathroom. And honestly, I mean, it's an overreaction for sure, but I, I honestly get it. I would be pissed too. Especially to get to that level of fame and some random white lady just shit poops in your in toilet. Your and he has this whole speech too that's like like he doesn't just yell at them he has an entire speech just talking about how like you why don't you shit at home <laughs> yeah he's like talking oh. about pooping in church or something like that yeah and he's he's i don't know so he like is he's just going off like on a tangent and there's this moment where he's talking to this lady who he knows shit in his bathroom and he quickly looks directly at the camera, which kind of startled me. I didn't know it was this kind of movie. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> but I have a quote that I really like that he said. He said, quote, you may not own my records, 
But any music you listen to has a little bit of me in it, which is very, very true. Man, I, we'll talk about it later, but yeah. Um, yeah, that's not true. But yeah, I really love the shift of breaking the fourth wall. I don't remember... I, I usually don't like when it happens, but I do like how they did it in this movie. They do it sparingly, and I, I think it's very... I don't know if you've seen Fleabag, but people that have listened that have seen Fleabag, it is kind of like that, where instead of him just giving exposition, like explaining who he is, or there's moments where he explains certain um, like concepts that he's talking about or that the movie's trying to display, but he also does it to like, for a lot of jokes. Like, you, do you remember there was a couple of times where he just looks at the camera, like, <laughs> like, do <laughs> like you a, see what's like happening? A, <laughs> yeah. Like a gym look. <laughs> yeah. And I really, um, God, Fleabag is so good. Fleabag kind of perfected this, but um, this movie does it really well where they do it like I said sparingly it's not overbearing it's not every single scene but when they do it it kind of like I kind of forgot that they did it in this movie and so when they do it again it still has that same like fresh feeling of like oh he's talking to me um, right. yes Mr. Brown <laughs> <laughs> um, then we have another cut to 1968 and he's performing for soldiers in Vietnam this I feel like this is my favorite scene of the entire movie where they're flying to Vietnam and their plane is just like going straight through a war zone. And James or James, Mr. Brown looks super unbothered. He just is like talking to the pilot, which is very much me. I feel like I just want to talk to people, even if it's a pilot that's flying a plane in a war zone. He's just <laughs> chatting them up. It's so funny. And I wrote down my favorite line. So he, <laughs> after he's done talking to the um, pilot, he goes to the back, like where every where his band and like other soldiers are sitting at, and he says, "Fellas, we're under attack now." <laughs> <laughs> like it wasn't obvious. Yeah. <laughs> I think one of the guys. I think uh, the guy from the office. I think his name is Pee Wee in the movie. Um, no, 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 not, that's not Pee-wee. Oh, is it not? Mm. Pee-wee the is... The IMDb was incorrect because they led me astray. Well, I'm going to call him Daryl. <laughs> 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 no, it's like something with an M. I don't remember. Oh, okay. Um, But one of them says, like, well, no shit. <laughs> <sighs> And he's just standing. It kind of reminds me of the old guard when she, when Charlize is mm-hmm. just like standing in the plane. God, it's so fucking funny. And then another, the God, the scene is perfect. I'm going to watch this scene right after we finish recording because it is so fucking funny. Um, So after he like sits down and he looks out the window and he sees that one of the propellers is on fire and he yells, y'all better put this out. <laughs> <laughs> oh god it's so funny it's so funny throughout this movie yeah god it made me like every time i was i laughed in this movie i also got like really sad because then i remembered you know that uh chadwick boseman passed away but he i i just it reminds me of um because i don't know if it in black panther he has like some funny parts but in this movie he has so many parts where he can be funny And it was so nice to see that. I think this, I'm really glad that I picked this movie 
to watch because it made me like laugh a lot like him and nelson alice which i'll talk about a little bit later who both passed away they had so many funny parts and just great acting parts in this movie so it was like i don't know it was just super nice to see i loved it um yeah and so the plane lands and the scene just continues to be fucking amazing so (laughs) they're like walking to their show and the whole time He's just complaining about being shot down, but the way he's complaining about it is like if he found hair in his meal or something. You know, he's like, this can't happen (laughs) again, y'all. Like, (laughs) oh, God, he's so funny. Um, After that, we cut to him as a kid in 1939, and I was so surprised that Viola's in this movie. I had no idea. I, I don't know if I've seen this movie before, I don't think I've seen it in its entirety, but I've seen some scenes before the scene you're about to talk about. I know I've seen before and I remembered what was going to happen. I was like, man, that's so sad, but yeah, keep on going. Are you talking about the, where they like were having a fight and then they just end up making out. Yeah. That. And when, when she, uh, oh, that's a little bit later. Yeah. Yeah. But, but yeah, uh, both of these. So they have that. Yeah. They kind of show like, him his parents fighting and then just having like a really tumultuous relationship after that um oh i should say i think this happened before but after that there's a lot of cuts and this movie just has so many cuts that it's kind of hard to keep track of them all um but some of the cuts they have are between an interview that his bandmate i think it was bobby who was played by actor nelson ellis he's like talking about Mr. Brown and he's kind of giving like explanation for what's happening. Um, but just as a quick aside, like I've mentioned before, we lost Nelson Ellis in 2017. He plays um the bandmate Bobby, his like best friend throughout the entire movie. Um, and just to give an example of like what else Nelson was in, his filmography includes the Stanford Prison Experiment, Lee Daniels, The Butler, The Help, and a movie that I really love called Little Boxes. It's like a little indie. I would, I think it's on Netflix, maybe. It's somewhere streaming. Um, but most notably to me and to probably my mom, and definitely a lot of people, but to us too, he was in True Blood and he played probably one of my favorite characters in television, just history, um, Lafayette. And yeah, I don't know, like if you you probably have seen on Twitter, there's a video that gets passed around like every so often it starts trending of um, these guys being really mean to him, because I think in the show he plays a diner cook. Do you know what I'm talking about? No, I've never seen the show. Well, if you if you watch the scene, it it's such a good scene and he's so fucking funny in that show and. It's just an amazing character. Um, But yeah, just wanted to have a little tribute to him. But I would definitely recommend truly anything he's been in. He was amazing. And even if it was a small part, I loved seeing him. Yeah, so cut after that, cut to 1964, and we're backstage at a performance. This is where we meet Dan Aykroyd's character, and I think his name is Ben. I don't remember his full name, but he's kind of his, like, manager. Um, So he tells Mr. Brown that they want the Rolling Stones to close the show, 
instead of him and he is like mr brown is just not having it he is super pissed um and a couple of fun facts about this scene so dan Aykroyd and the real james brown appeared together in the blues brothers movie in 1980 (laughs) they also appeared together in dr detroit and blues brothers 2000 um so i wonder what it was like to act with the real james brown and then to act with chadwick boseman that must have been really weird um the next one fact is in the scene preceding this show when James is di- or when Mr. Brown, excuse me, is discussing the Rolling Stones with um with what's his name? Dan Aykroyd. The people, do you know who the people in the back? Did you see that like band in the background like rehearsing whenever they're walking through? Uh it's no. kind of quick. But there's a, they walk past a room. It's kind of like a dressing room with a, a band in there rehearsing a song. And that's supposed to be the Beach Boys. Oh, good for them. <laughs> the last fun fact is James Brown learns that the Rolling Stones will close the TV show, not him. Mm-hmm. Ben Bart says the band will sh- will soon be forgotten. 50 years later, the Stones are still performing and frontman Mick Jagger is actually one of the film's executive music producer. <laughs> and one That's of the funny. main producers. I don't know if you watch the credits. I watch the credits to not. look at the pictures, but it does have his name on there. Um, And then we see the actual, I think... We see a performance. Yeah, so we see his, one of the first performances of the movie. And a fun fact about Chadwick Boseman's performance is that he did all of the dancing. Every single part where he's dancing, it's him. It's, he's good, too. So fucking good. Um, and Chadwick Boseman also trained for two months to learn how to sing and dance properly to play the part. Did oh, That's interesting. Did he do any of the singing? That's what I was... I don't no, I didn't look that up specifically. I assumed not because it sounded so much like James Brown, but I have no idea. Yeah, that's why I was kind of curious. I guess I'll, I should have looked that up, but I don't know. Do you want to look it up while we're talking right now? But um, yeah, yeah the dancing, especially the one. There's so many like just moves that James Brown is known for, but the one that I would be the most nervous for was the splits that he used to always do. <laughs> yeah. That looks so hard. And well, we'll get to it, but there's a scene where he like like during the Christmas performance right after and he can't get up and he's like, I'm not about to I'm not about to show or no, he didn't like I think he tore his pants, that's why he didn't get up. And he's like, I'm not gonna about to show all these white people in my torn pants. <laughs> he's he says a really, really funny line. <laughs> Where it's like my bass and drums are all out on this floor or something. (laughs) (laughs) That that that. got me. Um, Yeah, so after the first performance, we cut to him as a kid. Oh, yeah, this is the scene you're talking about. So he's like just pulling on somebody's legs and it's a man who was hanging. Yeah. And then he just like runs away and his and he catches his parents having another fight. But this one is super violent and Viola decides that she's going to leave and she tries to take him with her. But the dad threatens her with a gun. So he just she has to leave him. Mm-hmm. But what sucks is I knew watching that scene, I was like, that's not how he's going to remember it. I bet he's just going to remember her leaving. Yeah, I mean, it's hard not to. You're so young yeah 
But then after this, that's when we cut to the Christmas show that we were talking about. And I love the transition. They do another fourth wall break where um, he's talking to the camera and he's saying, <laughs> or they're like, he's dancing. Him and his bandmates are dancing and they're showing all the white people that are just like clapping and watching him. And he's like, <laughs> man, <laughs> he like wants to be at a different, I think it was like in the 50s, they cut to just a quick um snippet of one of his shows and it does look so much more fun <laughs> right um then we cut back to him as a kid and his dad leaves him with octavia spencer who i also did not know was in this movie yeah i forgot about that and i don't i should have looked up the wording of this i don't want to i don't know exactly what to call this place that she owns um because he so him and then i think she calls him little junior and then she has a, another kid named big junior so him both of the juniors they would go around to the soldiers saying pretty ladies and whiskey i think that's what they were saying right <laughs> yeah um and so i don't i don't know if it's called a bar i don't know i, I didn't want to call it a brothel exactly because i don't really know what it's supposed to be called but either way they have pretty ladies and they have whiskey what else do you need um after this, he there's like a couple of scenes of him as a kid and he walks into a church, which I also really love this scene where he just sees a bunch of people singing and dancing and he starts to join in with them. And what I really love is there's I also don't know the wording of this. I'm going to call him a a preacher, the head of the church. He's like dancing around on the stage and he has kind of this a similar look to what Mr. Brown looks like later in the movie. He has the same kind of hair, like a suit. And I really love that he kind of, you show him embody that at the end. And we also have another, at the end, whenever they have a bunch of flashes throughout the movie, they have a flash of that man again. Yeah. And I will say on the credits or the captions, it says uh, evangelist. Evangelist. Okay. That's what it says. According yeah, I don't. I don't know the religious HBS. like leader names, so I don't want to. I don't want to offend or get them wrong. Um, He's just singing and preaching. Yeah, it it looks like an amazing time. The like it's yeah. it's an all white church. I think everybody's wearing white, and it, the the decorations are super pretty. It just looks like an overall great a fun time. time. Yeah, it's a church I want to go to honestly. Jamming out. Then we cut to 1949, where he's stealing a suit and being chased by police and so he like there's this one scene where he runs into the bushes and the police had like a shooting <laughs> at him and i'm assuming they meant to miss him because he was like two feet away from him and he completely yeah. missed him and he just like stops and i guess just lets them take him in um yeah so he's while he's in prison we see that there's a gospel group singing and they're like mess hall. I don't know, like cafeteria, whatever. And everybody's just like dancing while they're singing and he joins in and Bobby is in the group and James gets in a fight. I think because he's singing and the guys like the guy in front of him is like mad at him. I don't know exactly why they fight, but they get in a fight after this, he gets sent to the nurse, and then Bobby is there because he says that somebody threw something, so he had to also get checked out. Um, they then have again a conversation and talking about why Mr. Brown is in there, and they start singing together, which is a really cool moment. Um, after this, oh, and then this is when they I should have looked into this like rule. 
Um, but he mentions, because I think he he's asking him how long he's going to, Bobby asked Mr. Brown how long he's going to be in there. And he says like f- five to 13 years, like a crazy amount for stealing a suit. And <clears throat> he says, he, he was like, well, what about parole? And he says, well, I don't really have a home to give them an address to. So I have to stay here, which is insane to me. Yeah, extremely. Because what if he lived on his own? Like, that doesn't make any sense. But so we cut to Bobby talking to his mom, trying to help him because he's like, you know, appealing to his, I guess, his mother's um, Christian side saying, like, come on, we have to be good people. And so we cut to Mr. Brown coming to their house and eating dinner with them because he doesn't. His, their family helps him because they don't want him to be stuck in prison, which is super nice. Yeah, I can't imagine just <clears throat> doing that, but it's a different time. Yeah, and I mean, I think Bobby just knew from that moment, like him sitting with him and singing with him. I think he just knew he was like, yeah, I need to help this guy. He's obviously not a danger to anybody. He's he's stealing a suit, you know, like, come yeah. on. <clears throat> and then... Like I said, they let him stay with him, but <laughs> mm. Bobby finds Mr. Brown sleeping with his sister. Harmonizing. Harmonizing, harmonizing. my bad, sorry. Um, which is startling to say the least. Then we cut <laughs> to um them so I didn't realize who so we cut to a concert, like at a bar kind of place or a concert hall. And I didn't realize, I knew the song, but I didn't realize who that was. So I had to look it up. Um, and it was Little Richard. He was singing, um, uh, I think it was called Tutti Frutti. And Tutti Frutti. He's playing a show and then after he leaves, they take his equipment and they just start to play music. Mm-hmm. And fun fact about this, when James and the Flames, which is their... Um, band name or i think it was just the famous flames at this point yeah when they go on stage to perform their rendition of caledonia the music used was an actual recording of the real james brown rendition the original includes a horn section which was removed because the flames didn't have a horn section in the film caledonia such a good song i mean i i am obviously super familiar with his music but it was so nice okay i guess we can go into a little aside on this one because i the one thing that makes that made me want to watch those other movies like rocket man bohemian rhapsody was the music right and Mm -hmm. but i feel like that was the only thing those movies had going for it this one had a cohesive story and it was so nice to like i feel like when I was watching Bohemian Rhapsody, I know mom likes that movie, so she's going to be so pissed. But I feel like I was just waiting for the next song every time. I did not right. care about the story at all. This one felt so... It just felt so fun to like be so um, caught up in the story and then hear good music. Or at least... like This song I didn't know, so it was nice to hear like that song and be like, oh, that's so cool. And then be surprised by the hits that I do know. And I think that's a perfect way you need to do a biopic like this. Like you can't just rely on the music to get people to want to pay attention. 
Yeah. And I'm... it felt like Bohemian Rhapsody was just like a two hour long music video <laughs> that I didn't ask for. Like if I just want to watch yeah. music videos from Queen, I'm just going to look it up, you know? Yeah. It also helps that Mr. Brown is a super interesting person. Yeah, and he's so funny. And yeah, like he's, he's so, he's such a good character. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. There's, do you remember the first song you heard by Mr. Brown? Ooh. I don't know. I know mine. What, what do you think? I want to, I don't think it's Get On Up. I think it's um Cold Sweat, maybe. Mine's definitely Get On Up. And wait, it is it from a movie? Yeah, it's is it from, from Robots? It's from Robots. <laughs> I don't know if you guys have ever seen Robots. I fucking knew it. But at uh, the end of Robots, yeah. get up off of that thing. Dance, you feel better. That's so good. Carry on. <sighs> I think I have one of his records. I don't know. Um, yeah. So after this, he meets up with because Little Richard doesn't like. I thought he was gonna kick him off stage or be like really pissed. Um, but instead, he like meets up with him at his. They we cut to like him at. I think Little Richard had like a job at like a hamburger stand or something. Yeah. Um. At this time, he wasn't super famous, and so he just is sitting with James Brown, and he's give he's giving him advice on how to make it big. He actually, it's not just advice. He literally tells him, "Hey, you need to." You need to like record, go to this guy so you can pay this much, uh, record something, send it to this guy. Like he gives him such specific advice and is writing everything down. It's it's like so much better. It's kind of like a mentor, but he's literally just telling him what to do. It's so fucking nice. <laughs> it's very funny. Um, And then after Richard asks him about what happened to him and then they cut. I think he like mentioned something like that. And they cut to this scene that I really like. It's kind of disturbing. Well, it's it's pretty disturbing. Um, but they turn it into a really cool scene where there's a bunch of just old rich white people. And they have a bunch of young black kids like lined up with like they're painting numbers on their chest or on their stomachs. Oh, my goodness. And they're I forgot blindfolded. About this. And they have they have like one boxing what do you call it? like glove and then they have one hand tied behind their backs and they're just making them fight for their enjoyment like fucking disgusting and there's a band playing like like i said it's fuck it's disgusting but there's a moment where he gets knocked down because i think james or mr brown at this point it's young james brown where he has um he has a one on his chest, I think, and he gets knocked down. I think he's like one of the last few of them. And what the blindfold gets knocked off of his face and he only hears and he only sees the band that's playing. Mm -hmm. Another thing, too, is that this band is just is only from what I could tell, it was only black men. And you can see the like disgust and disdain on their face, but they just have to like keep playing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so he is looking at them, and I, I think it is it's the music from the song "Get On Up" with not not the lyrics, but I think it's the same melody, maybe. Whoa! And he's knocked down. 
And he has to get on up. Yeah. And dance until he feels better. But he's fighting. Yeah. yeah. And then he wins. And then he wins. I That's... as soon as that happened, I mean, first the plane scene, I was like, this is my movie. But that happened and I was like, oh my god. So fucking good. Um because I, I hate those movies too where it feels like like I feel like in <laughs> I'm just talking so much shit about this movie, but it deserves it. Like in Bohemian Rhapsody, when they're like writing a song. They're like, well, what if we what if we have a Rhapsody and it's Bohemian? Like, that's how they dis- that's how they <laughs> describe to us that they came up with that song. You know, it makes them look super easy or whatever. But this. Right. I don't know. I, I feel like <laughs> I feel like what that movie did wrong is they thought we wanted to know how each song came to be. That's not what we want. We want to know about these people, you know, like it, it doesn't make sense to do that. And so this movie, I think that one scene perfectly shows what this movie did, that it show it didn't have to, it, it showed, it didn't tell, you know what I mean? Like it, it showed us who he was. It showed us how, like why he came to music. It showed us, him as a person and i think that's what all these other movies were missing and and how i got to where he was yeah i mean the music is great but the music is is literally the soundtrack like we need to know the actual story but yeah sorry little tangent um oh so we cut to um mr brown and bobby where they're like at a diner or something um and they're trying to figure out how to get to their gig and james just like casually says that he had that he got a girl pregnant and then they just like move on yeah <laughs> they're, they're like okay um and then after that like in rapid succession they meet a record exec i think oh so he walks in and he's asking for them and they start to hide <laughs> Because Mr. Brown's like, I think that's my parole officer. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> and then he says that he's so with a record. Yeah. And then he says that they're with a record label and they're like, huh? <laughs> so after this, they make their record and they meet Dan Aykroyd. Um, and I think this is after they have a after they have a recording session and the guy that's like, the head of the studio or the head of the record label is like, he's just singing the same goddamn word over again. Like, why do we need this guy? And he's like, or why do we need these, this band? And he's like, you need James Brown. And whenever they meet, whenever he first meets Dan Aykroyd is kind of where the problem starts. Um, Because they tell him that they want him to be, like they they basically just want him is what they're telling him that they don't need the famous flames they just need him and so they they show that and then they show them telling the band in such a shitty way they basically Ugh. show them a record with it printed on saying James and his famous flames <laughs> and they're like that's the biggest gut fuck? punch ever <laughs> exactly they're kind of like what the fuck but and they then, say too like we don't need you like do we you, just want if him. you you can stay if you want but like it doesn't really matter super messed up the thing that i didn't i didn't expect though is when they were like 
we didn't want y'all at all. We we just wanted Jay or we didn't want the flames part at all. But James said that he, like for him to stay they agreed on a compromise where it would be James and the famous flames. So he did right. fight for them. I mean, I understand the like why they would be upset because they basically told them you can stay on but you're going to be his employee. Yeah. But I mean, I get it. I get it. I completely get it because they feel because they started the band with him and if it wasn't for them then maybe he wouldn't have been what he was, but he he did kind of fight for them. I don't know. I I, I get it, but it that's just it's messy when you do business with friends. It is. It really like, is. Like I think they say at a certain point, it's show business, so it's a, you got to put on a show, but it's also a fucking business. I don't know if it's yeah, in the movie sucks. or if I just saw that somewhere else, but it's very no. True. Yeah, he talks about it. It's like right after this because they all leave and it's like him. He's he's working hard the hardest man in in show business or working what is it the hardest man <laughs> hardest working man in show business <laughs> i mean we can't prove that anthony but we can prove that he's the hardest working man in show business but yeah, yeah. and then so after this is a really a scene that really angers me where like you like you said he is so business savvy to where the next part where he's talking to the record execs and he's saying, I think he's trying to get them to do a live album, live which album I don't know if recording. they've, I wonder if they've done it before if, or no, I think they have. And they just said it's too expensive. Um, and they are super racist, which is not surprising because they tell him that his fans, which are majority black people can't afford to go. I think they said they can't afford to buy records. <laughs> they said like it that. in a super weird way where he's like your audience doesn't have the resources oh, yeah. but the thing that made me super sad is that that mentality is still like thriving in hollywood people still believe that yeah especially i mean any underserved community but uh, like speaking on my personal experience and like stuff i've researched on my own <laughs> is about the Latino community, like specifically that people think like the the mentality in Hollywood is that the reason they don't put Latinos in movies is because they don't show up for movies when that is completely not true. I don't remember. I don't know what the statistic is now, but we like our community is is like one of the biggest um, audiences in movie theaters that go to the movies yeah it doesn't make sense and so they think and it kind of it also ties to black panther in a lot of ways because that was a huge conversation happening whenever that came out where people are like well i hope this does well so we can make movies with um an all-black cast and we're like yeah well it's it's gonna do well you guys just are racist and don't think it will do well (laughs) you guys are just why, why are you why is it why is like um the casting in Hollywood contingent on one movie? It makes no sense. It's like if it's kind of like them thinking if well if James Brown doesn't get people to buy his records then no black people buy records like it doesn't make any sense. It's so stupid. But yeah, sorry, another little rant, but it just made me really <laughs> sad hearing that and I'm like, yeah, but that people still fucking think that. 
it's just it's cloaked in so many other like ways they don't like you know instead of saying that they said they don't have resources like i'm assuming they do that and it's more cloaked now and how they say it yeah um sucks and so he decides he's just gonna pay for his own damn show at the apollo and of course it's a fucking success because we cut to it and it's it's packed everybody loves it even the execs are having a great time and then when we're backstage after the show his mom shows up and i was shook (laughs) okay one thing i'll say i thought you were crying (laughs) no no i'm laughing Mm because like this movie has a lot of like cliches almost yeah um the the one i'm thinking of is where they start a story and then like in the middle of it they cut to a flashback and then they that like pertains to what they stopped like the original story and then it cuts back to it to like finish it so you like you it like gives you the information that you need to complete it it does that in so many different layers though like the first one i liked it a lot i i just like i I kind of got lost. Like it's just mm. me. I don't know if it's me, my my attention span. Like I think, like the first one is obviously when he when Mr. Brown's walking in one of his later shows with the like as an older gentleman, and then it cuts to younger Mr. Brown. But the one where his mom comes, that's another one that that is almost the span of the movie too. Mm. yeah like they don't after that they don't cut to to him seeing his mom and talking to his mom for like a long time I uh, yeah I like this one though because but it kind of I think it flows pretty well though yeah I, I think because I think we like to think our lives are linear but like there's certain things that are affecting me right now, like past traumas that affect me now that I've never thought of in like 10 years. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. in the movie of my life, it might do that where I don't like the thing happens. I don't think about it for years. And then something triggers it to where I fly, like it's a flashback to that moment. And you know what I mean? Like, so I, I think it's true to how our past traumas affect us that it's not, it could flare up in a certain like maybe he hasn't thought of the fact that he saw so i guess i'll talk about the next scene talking about this but they cut to him when he's a kid and he's like living with octavia spencer at this point but he sees his mom out like on the town with some random guy and he calls her name he's like hey mom it's it's me and she says that she doesn't know who he is and i feel like it, it could be true that he hadn't thought about that in years until he saw her. Right. You know what I mean? So like, and then when we cut to the scene later where he's talking to her, it just fits the story or maybe they're trying to say that that was resolved. I don't know. You know what I mean? I get what you mean. I liked it personally, but. No, I'm not to say that I liked it, but I just, I just oh, noticed yeah, yeah. this more so in, in this movie than any other. Yeah, it does have a lot of cuts, and I thought at first it would be confusing, but it kind of was. But like, I don't think you necessarily need to know the full timeline to understand the movie. And they do give you the dates; like, they literally write it out mm-hmm. for you. So, I don't know. yeah. 
But like I said, just the hair. Just look at the hair. And you it's unlocked. <laughs> <laughs> um, then after this is probably the moment I was the most confused. And I had to watch the scene many a times. So it's when he has a meeting with Ben. His, I think it's his manager. And he says, he's basically explaining. He's like, I've been thinking about something. Why is the promoter paying us? Is like the simple question he asks. And then Ben goes into a whole spiel, like basically what you hear a lot when you, whenever you want to change something in any time, I guess, is when he's like, well, but this is how we've been doing it for years, blah, blah, blah. And okay, so ex- if you if you understood this part better, because maybe, like you said, maybe it's just my small brain or my small attention span. But what I understood him saying is why the fuck are the promoters paying us when we should be paying them? Because we're the act. They're just promoting us, you know? And so basically... Right. What he's saying is that it makes no sense to pay one person who's proven not to understand who his audience is and how to serve his audience when you can pay a DJ in a small town that runs a small radio station and you can pay them instead of giving them a certain, like, I guess the promoter just gives them whatever money they earned or something, but you pay them a small percentage of your ticket sales to be the sole provider of his music and to promote his concerts and because he's saying that they'll they'll play the music and then after they're going to give a little promo saying hey if you like this james brown is going to be performing at whatever theater at whatever time on whatever day um and it's so fucking smart to go to young djs who are like he said they already fucking love his music and they're already underpaid so like you're just paying them promotion at a lower rate it's genius. And I can't believe anybody had never thought of that before. Because <clears throat> how I understood it, and like I said, I could be wrong, but this is how I understood it, is that he's saying, why, like, say, for instance, like, you want to promote a movie, right? Why would you give all of your promotion movie to, like, a big studio or a Netflix when you could divvy up that money giving it to smaller theaters or giving it to smaller people to promote. It's kind of like using influencers now kind of thing, rather than paying a bunch of money to give to like one big influencer, you can divvy it up so you can like get to smaller markets. That's what I'm understanding that he's saying, but maybe I understood yeah. wrong. Yeah. Yeah. The way, that's pretty much what I, I got from it, but also like. <clears throat> he's like, saying like to run their own kind of thing. Yeah. Cause the, the promoters that, that would pay them like like you said they didn't really understand the audience and they couldn't they didn't know who to tell yeah like to, uh, they didn't know the right people to to say hey you need to come to the show but the the smaller people the the djs who who worked at these smaller radio companies they they knew the right people and that's what he was saying like they knew the the guy who worked at the pool pool house and yeah yeah, yeah. Like the guy the mechanic whatever he like he, well he understands he the value of word of mouth you know what now i'm realizing the re the reason i probably really love that is that's literally my job <laughs> like he's yeah. just like explaining kind of what i do we don't really have a budget in pr but that's what you do you like <clears throat> if i'm promoting a hotel for example then i and if i want 
people to go to the hotel. I could pay a lot of money to NBC or, or a, a studio to run a commercial, or I could offer a free night to an influencer and they're going to post about it. And right. they know that like their audience trusts them. And the, the, their audience, the DJ's audience is going to trust their taste in music. So that it just, it's a genius. I don't know how anybody didn't understand that. <clears throat> but whenever he's explaining this, well, first of all, it's, it's him talking to the audience again. He's also doing it. He like walks off when Ben's talking and Ben is talking the whole time that he's gone, which I fucking love. But I don't know if you, if you caught whenever he was talking to the DJ and the DJ says, screw payola. Did you catch that? Yeah. I didn't know what that was. Well, you're in luck. Cause I looked it up. So payola in the music industry is the illegal practice of payment commercial radio in which the song is presented as being part of the normal day's broadcast without announcing that there has been a consideration paid in cash or in kind for its airplay adjacent to the recordings broadcast. The term has come to refer any undisclosed payment, undisclosed, excuse me, payment made to cast a product in a favorable light, such as obtaining positive reviews. Some radio stations report spins of the newest and most popular songs to industry publications. The number of times the songs are played can influence the perceived popularity of a song. So basically, you're paying to get to the number one spot. Right. It's illegal now, but if you if you remember I don't know if you remember the whole Justin Bieber shit when he was promoting uh, yummy. <laughs> yeah, wasn't he like, oh please stream it, please? <laughs> he was like begging people and Would you please we stream yummy <laughs> Another thing I should have looked up, I talked to Sebastian about it because he's he's into music and so he, he knew what I was talking about, but there's a whole I guess the new kind of version of that is buying um what is it? it's like buying merch Streams? merch bundles. Now if you buy an album, but you also like if if a say I don't know if I should use a real musician, but say a musician is going to buy an album and like they said album sales I think somehow is put somehow into the billboard numbers um because now it's like streams but it's also album sales but if you bundle that with like a bunch of merch so if you say you can buy a record but you can buy also um you can buy a record you can buy a record with or a, i guess i don't know a record with like a, a, shirt. a t-shirt um and then say there's another one you could buy a record with a t-shirt a vip pass a t like those all count there's like a certain way to for those to count towards um like you being on the number one spot and so uh -huh. that's like a controversy now about like people saying like that shouldn't count or i don't know it's very very weird but i mean you're still buying the oh whatever yeah i should have looked more into that but i was kind of like not that interested but <clears throat> payola if you ever hear that that's what that is um okay and so after this after um, Mr. Brown tells us like what is happening what his idea is Ben's like oh, that's fine and dandy but I don't work just for you and <laughs> Mr. Brown's like okay why why don't you just work for me um, and then there's another scene of them like so <laughs> there's a weird scene of Ben handcuffing a suitcase full of cash to Big Junior's yeah. wrist 
And as a fun fact, Dan Aykroyd, who plays Ben Bart, when he was Elwood Blues in the Blues Brothers, he walked on stage with a suitcase half handcuffed to his wrist. I don't know when this happened, <laughs> but he did it one time. Maybe Dad mom knows. and dad, yeah, they can tell us. But that's like, a, I guess, sort of homage to him. <clears throat> um, After this, we cut to a scene of him at Christmas, and he's like, it's kind of like Halloween, where he's just outside and giving um, candy apples and money to his neighbors. <laughs> and <laughs> it's this is such a weird scene. Well, while they're out giving like giving out a bunch of stuff, his wife is wearing um, like a Mrs. Claus outfit and she's showing some cleavage and some creepy white man is like looking at her. So Mr. Brown gets like really mad and he tells him to leave. And then when they go inside, she's like happy saying like, oh, that was a lot of people today. And then he just like hits her. And it's very abrupt and like he just is mad at her, I guess, for kind of like the whole like blaming her for dressing that way instead of blaming mm -hmm. the man for looking at her like that. Um, yeah. But I do. So that moment is really hard to watch. I do like that they included it. Um, and but I also like not because I liked seeing it, but just I, I, I like that they didn't like uh, any hold back. Yeah, they showed like warts and all kind of thing. Like they showed him as he fully was. And I also really like at the at that point after he hits her, he walks towards the camera and then he kind of looks at like the camera like he's ashamed. Yeah. You know, he looks like fuck, I didn't like I didn't mean for y'all to see that kind of thing. Um that was really jarring to watch, but like I it said, was. I really love the way they use that instead of just like moving past it. They make him confront what he did. Um, yeah. And it, like they hang for a little too. It's like, yeah, it's really uncomfortable. And she's like on the floor in the background, still like really upset about what he just did. So it's it's really hard to watch, but it's a really well-crafted scene, I think. Um <clears throat> After this, we're at rehearsal where Mr. Brown is just like berating his band. I'm just going to like s just go past that white couple because I don't really understand their purpose in the movie. Oh, yeah. What the <laughs> hell was that? I love Al Alice and Janney, but I did not understand that whole thing. So I'm just going to just going to move past it. Um, So he's just like, <laughs> yeah, he's just being really mean to his band. And after this, a bandmate is having a talk with oh sorry having a talk with Bobby about um Mr. Brown saying that he doesn't understand why Bobby takes all of his shit he's like why are you he basically goes, why are you enabling this kind of behavior and he says that he makes a point saying that Mr. Brown gives them more than they kind of like more than they deserve kind of thing like that being in proximity to him just makes them feel like purposeful and makes them feel better so they should be thankful for that which i don't i mean obviously i don't agree with but i do understand where he's coming from um yeah i just I personally i wouldn't feel content with that because he's like like i couldn't be the front man so i'm just gonna step aside and let him and support him um being the front man mr brown i i, I don't know it's just 
yeah. I see where he was coming from, like you said, but it's just to be. It's kind of sad to be at that point where you're like, I couldn't do this, but I mean, I'm watching it happen right yeah. in front of me. I I do think I do like at the end though how well I guess we can get to it, but I think. But I think Bobby was really, I think, I truly think he was content with being that. I think he just, he saw his purpose in being with James Brown and being that person for him, you know? And I think I kind of relate to Mr. Brown in this way where he's really, it's really hard for him to be sentimental, I think. Like, I, I truly, he truly... You can see at the end how much he loved Bobby and how much he needed him, but he was never going to say it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I, I do sympathize with that and how him and Bobby were such good matches because Bobby understood that he didn't need Mr. Brown to say it to him, you know? Hey, hey. I Honestly. also love, by the way, that we just are going on with the Mr. Brown thing. <laughs> I mean, Mr. that's Brown. did what he want. Like, that that is what he said he wanted. So I don't feel I don't feel weird about it. It just sounds funny. <laughs> Mr. Brown. I, we got to pay respects. All right. Um, after this, they're in the, re- they're in the middle of recording music when um, I don't remember who it was, but somebody came into the studio telling them about the killing of um, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And after yeah. this, I think one of them says like, we should cancel the concert. And then, uh, Mr. Brown's like, no, we should still have the concert. And so we cut to the concert that they do have. Um, and so by this point, they've shown a lot of performances that we've kind of just not talked about because it's you just got to really watch it. But I do have to say, if you haven't watched this movie, you have to you just have to watch it. Like you have to at least watch the performances because Chadwick Boseman's commitment to every part of who James Brown was, including the dancing, like we mentioned, the singing, like all of it, he did an amazing job. And I've heard people throughout the years saying that it was really um, sad that he didn't get nominated for an Oscar. And I could never really contribute to that conversation. But now I also feel that too. It is really upsetting because he, like, this was such a good performance in every single way you could tell he just he put he put everything in it and it's not too like i feel like a lot of the people a lot of the movies we're talking about i mean they're all good performances i think but for me what sets aside chadwick boseman's is it's like the thing i love is the commitment to the essence of the person like he doesn't really look like James Brown and they don't really make a point to like they only put the prosthetics on whenever he's older to make him look older but they don't really do anything to his face throughout the rest of the movie but you don't really need it because to me like the voice the way he talks the like actions it feels very James Brown to me and I mean, I don't as somebody who doesn't who's not super familiar with him as a person, I'm sure somebody older can have a better opinion on this. But to me, it feels like such a good and respectful depiction of him. Yeah, it, the voice did it for me. Like, 
I don't know. It was so good. Oh my god, so good. And the cadence too. I was telling one of my friends that um it took me it usually takes me almost half almost double the time to watch these movies for every recording. <clears throat> because um I pause them and I have to do research and I just have to like do it during the watching of the movie and this one because it was almost two or it was like two hours I think a little over two hours and he talks so fast and I had to pause so much Mm -hmm. so it took me like probably three or four hours to watch this movie wow but I I I loved every minute of it that was fine yeah it's (laughs) it's a it's a great movie good pick So as the performance goes on, people are starting to get on stage and the police are, I mean, I do understand, you know, for the safety of Mr. Brown that they like want to get them off, but they're being really rough with people. And, um, he, Mr. Brown tells them to like, like first he's like, let them come on stage and dance. They just want to dance. But then it starts to get too crazy. Too many people want to like get on stage with him and, he just like takes complete control of the show and he's like, I can't even get my, I think he said, I can't even get my own people to respect me kind of thing. Um, and just saying that they just want to have a good time and y'all need to let him have like start the show and end the show so he can like, they can all just have a great time. And yeah, I really like that moment. <laughs> yeah. It's really funny. Cause he's telling him to get down. He's like, everyone just get down. He's like, you want to see the show? And he's like, how are you going to see it from da- up here? Oh, yeah. <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> that was really funny. Um, and then after that, we we start to get a little bit more into the more political part of his life. Um, so he's heading to the White House, and then they show this really cute um, scene of him having a bunch of kids in his studio singing a song with him. And it's so... It's a really nice scene. And then we cut to a super sad scene. Um, where it's the funeral of Ben. Because uh. <clears throat> they, I love the way they did this scene though, where they show, they first show, um, a coffin and then they cut his like death scene in between the funeral, if that makes sense. Yeah, him, he, <clears throat> I guess he just died at, at a heart attack or something at a golf course. Yeah. And one thing that I was kind of, I was confused about, so I did a little bit of research on, was whenever they go to the, whenever they're at the funeral, and he's like, Mr. Brown's there, and he's super emotional, and he's, there's like a pile of dirt and a shovel, and he's like shoveling dirt into the gravesite. I don't know if you've seen that before. I never have. Um... So I looked it up and they did. Oh, I didn't mention, but on the coffin, there is a star of David. So you can kind of assume that it was Ben because he was Jewish. Um, Yeah, yeah, he said that. Yeah. And so in the Jewish tradition, when the funeral service is ended, the mourners come forward to fill the grave. Symbolically, this gives the mourners closure as they observe or participate in the filling of the gravesite. One custom is for all people present at the funeral to take the shovel um, or a spade held pointing down instead of up to show the antithesis of death to life and that this use of the shovel is different from all other uses to throw three shovelfuls of dirt into the grave you can tell that he's 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 hurting 
Yeah, it's a really sad scene. Because um, the reason that I, I really love that scene, though, is that, like, they say three, but he just keeps doing it, and his wife has to kind of tell him to stop. And I yeah. that was really heartbreaking. Um, and then after this, James shows up to a recording, and one of his bandmates stands up for all of them, asking just for the basic things that they requested, um, like being paid <laughs> on time paid. and getting days off. Yeah, and he's just like not oh, having you, it. And he, <laughs> and then they also mention they're like, I know you have to pay back taxes to the IRS. And I looked it up, and apparently, do you want to guess how much he owed in back taxes? Uh, six million. Four point five, so not as much as you thought. I was gonna say four to begin with. Yeah. Dang it. Allegedly, I'll say allegedly. Um, uh, okay. Uh, the next concert scene that they show is truly amazing. I don't remember what song it was, but um, I do remember thinking that I was watching a concert movie. Oh, when he's in, he's a golden vest. Um. Yeah. 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 In Paris. Uh. The one in Paris where he's like, I love the scene or the when they start the scene, he's like walking on stage and it's kind of like an out of body experience. Whereas they show in the background, it looks like a body double that's like dancing along and he's talking to us. I don't remember what he's talking about, but then after that, he goes into the performance and it's so good. And it goes on for a long time. Like, I think the entire length of the song. And like I said, I kind of forgot I was watching a movie and it just felt like I was watching a performance. It was so fucking good. It was. <laughs> he Like, when he was talking to us, Mr. Brown, he was handing his players oh, cash. Then, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's one thing I didn't mention, that there's, there's oh. like a running joke throughout the movie that he... Like, if there's a small error in something, like, if, like, I think there was one scene where the lady that's, like, his assistant let somebody in his room when he said not to, so she had to pay him $20. So, like, people always had to pay him stuff if they messed up. You would find them. Find them, yes, yes. Cursing. (laughs) I want to start doing that. Yeah, and so there was a funny scene where one of the bandmates, whenever the kids showed up to the studio... And one of the bandwits was like, do you think if they mess up, he's going to find them? <laughs> mm-hmm. um, after this, him and Bobby have a talk um, where Bobby tells him that he wants to start doing music. And he's basically saying, like, I want to be like you. I want to play at the Apollo. You know, I just want to do amazing things. And James <laughs> or Mr. Brown just gets, like, really pissed. <laughs> Not having it. He's, like, thinking he's a traitor. You, who'd you tell this to? You speaking behind my back. Like, you think you could get here? Yeah, All he's, like, stuff. he basically thinks that he's going behind his back to plan for his future, which is kind of fucked up. But, and then he, like, accuses him of riding on his coattails, which is messed up. Like, he he's, like, Bobby is, is put in all of the work to be his right-hand man, and then he just thinks that he's doing this for clout kind of thing instead of just wanting to do it because he loves working with him. It's really yeah. messed up. Honestly, without <clears throat> him, Mr. Brown would still be in jail. Yeah, <laughs> probably. And then... For stealing that three-piece suit. It basically... It seems like Bobby is just like... Now he's fed up and he kind of breaks up with him and then James is or Mr. Brown is just like laughing the whole time and I don't think he actually thought he was going to leave 
Yeah. Because as soon as he Yeah, because as soon as he leaves, he like stops laughing. Yeah, he's like, Mr. Bird? Mr. Bird, where you going? Come back here, Mr. Bird. He says something super messed up to him, like because Mr. Bird like threatens him. He's like, I'm gonna leave. I'm I'm tired of this. Like, it's enough. He's like, you make it seem like like a big thing leaving me by myself. Like I've no one takes care of Mr. Brown like Mr. Brown. Yeah. Something something to that effect. It's like, ooh. It just like discredits man. everything he's ever done for him. Yeah. Super messed up. And then this is when we, like you said, this is when we cut back to him seeing his mom backstage at the Apollo. Um, and then he asks her why she chose that night to see him. And she says because she lived there, it was close, and that she heard he was going to be there. And so she got, she was like telling a story about she basically told somebody that she was proud of her son, you know, like that he's playing at the Apollo. And he said that he doesn't want her to feel proud or tell anybody that she's his mom. Which, but honestly, I think I would have said the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. And then after that, he it's a, another heartbreaking one where we ask why she's really there and then they have this look where we know it's for money and he gives her a hundred bucks yeah yes he says i'm gonna have to ask you to leave now <laughs> and she Ooh. does but then when she leaves he tells bobby to make sure that she's taken care of and to get like anything she wants or anything she needs to get it for her it's super weird because like as she's walking out she turns back and just tells tells him that he's really pretty and he looks beautiful and then just walks out which i knew he was gonna do that too i've kind of felt that like this movie is so good at making you feel what they want you to where i was like pissed at her and then when she left and she was like happy you could tell she was genuinely happy to see him i was like oh but like help her (laughs) which i'm glad he did um and then we right after this, we also learned through a phone call that his oldest child, uh, Teddy, died in a car crash. Car crash. Um, <clears throat> and then right after this, they show a bunch of drug use, um, like within one shot. They don't show like a, a montage of it, but I'm sure that's what contributed heavily to his decline and to like what happens at the end. Um, and then we jump to the scene from the beginning um and then he like where he's in the jumpsuit and then or the tracksuit and then he gets in another police chase and then eventually gets put in jail um after this we jump to 1993 where bobby is like at his house waiting for some pool guy to come and then uh mr brown shows up and he basically tells him i think he tells him he's gonna do another show or something i don't really remember yeah, he tells him he's going to do a show in town, and he invites him and his ex-wife, I believe. Mm-hmm, yeah. Mr. Bird's current wife, or wife, Wait, to come, what? and he's like, oh, I That's can't. That's not Mr. Brown's ex-wife. Is it not his first wife? Oh. He had no. two wives. Mm-hmm. I don't think so. I'm pretty sure because that's like that was a oh, uh, Tommy's mom, Teddy. Teddy, yes, Teddy's that. mom. That's a different lady. 
Are you sure? Yes. Because, okay, okay. Because when Mr. Bird and Mr. Brown are talking and he's like, Mr. Bird is like, I want to start on my own. He, they talk about, what, what, what was her name? V, 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 something with the V. Okay, but I think Guys. that might have been his wife, but that's not Teddy's mom. I know no, that okay, for sure. okay. Remember at the airport when they're dropping him off? That's not her. Are you sure? I'm pretty sure. Okay. We'll we'll, we'll give it to you. I don't know. My memory is shot. <laughs> um <laughs> and either either way, he invites him to a show. So we cut to a show where he's wearing the outfit from the very beginning, so the red suit. Um and during the show they show a really sweet moment of him basically singing directly to Bobby. I think it's like when he's singing like acapella, I don't think there's any music accompanying at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's just super, it's super sweet um, because like I said, he's singing directly to Bobby. Bobby's super emotional, but also I guess to end like this movie, it, made me kind of emotional because I saw Bobby and like James Brown, but I also saw like Chadwick and Nelson, which made me really sad because like, I, like we've said before, they, they both like had untimely deaths. So it was, it was just even more like emotional that it was them two at the end. Yeah. 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 That's kind of the the movie. That's all I thought. <laughs> but yeah. Um, a couple of fun facts before we close this out. Uh, just quick ones. The film had been in development in- since 2000. Um, Spike Lee was lined up to direct, but music contractual issues held up the production and he had to leave to honor the other commitments, which makes me sad because I feel like that would have also been a really good movie. Um. Mm-hmm. And then last one was that James Brown in real life was 5'5", five five, while Chadwick Boseman was six feet tall. <laughs> Dang. Yeah. Well, um, you're wrong. I'm reading was it right I? now. James has a child, Teddy, with his first wife, Velma. That wasn't And then later the, divorces her. That was not his, that was not the singer. Look up Bobby Bird's wife. Um, this is what happens when there's so many characters in a movie, and I'm like, wait. <laughs> Gosh. Well, while you look that up, I, I love this movie very much. I, it, yeah, I think, like I said, I didn't have high expectations just based off of like my feelings for Rocket Man and Bohemian Rhapsody. But this movie is kind of, is just a league of its own. Like it, it is so good. Um, Chadwick Boseman is amazing in it. I haven't seen a ton of his movies. I will now, but or eventually. But this is probably out of the few performances of his. It's probably my favorite. Um, yeah. I was also surprised by how much how funny and how fun this movie ended up being. The music was obviously great. Um, a stacked cast. Yeah. Everything you just said is so true. <clears throat> Fantastic movie. If you haven't seen it, go watch it. Okay. 
I have the answer. Velma was his first wife. Vicky is Bobby Bird's wife who sang on or with Mr. Brown. Hmm. I don't know if you remember that scene in the in the um what's it called? In the bus where Daryl and Pee Wee are checking out that girl mm-hmm. and they're like talking about her and she overhears. I think that's Bobby Bird's wife. No, that is not Anthony. Then who is that? That's <laughs> I don't know. That's I, not Mr. Way, Brown's new way, wife. Either way, I was correct. No, you weren't, because you said Teddy wasn't. I don't know who we're talking about now. We're talking about three now. <laughs> Just go watch the movie. <laughs> we're movie. dumb. We both of us are probably wrong somehow. We're both dumb. Like I, I said, it's hard for me to keep track when yeah. there's like more than four main characters. <laughs> <laughs> Because I'm dumb. Okay. Um, I do have... Okay, so I, I found two quotes that I would like to end talking about this movie on. Um, do you have anything else to say? I really like this movie. Um, Mr. Brown is, is uh, really the godfather of soul. Truly. That's all I got. But... Yeah, so I we, I said, I think we said mostly what we wanted to say about Chadwick Boseman at the beginning. Um, but I wanted to, like, I, I was just curious about some of his famous quotes. Because um, he had a lot of, he just was like, I don't know, he, he had a lot of great quotes. But I wanted to um, read off one that he said during um, a commencement speech where he said to graduates, whatever you choose for a career path, remember the struggles along the way are only meant to shape you and for your purpose. As you commence to your paths, press on with pride and press on with purpose. But the last quote, there's another quote that I wanted to mention because um, I don't know if you saw Lupita Nyong'o's post about him that she did, a, like I think it was today. Yeah, it was today. I was gonna, I was gonna bring up one of the quotes, but oh, I think I wonder you got if it's it. The same one. So, so we're probably on the same wavelength. Like, well, she ended her post. I mean, it's a beautiful post, so you should just go read it in full. It's pretty long. Um, but she ended with a quote from Chadwick's wife Simone that she heard her say a couple of times, I think. Um, and it reads, "Take your time, but don't waste your time." Yeah. And I really love that quote. Yeah. All right. Yeah. What's your pick for next week? Um, Did you remember? I didn't, but I was looking through some movies. Like right now? <laughs> yeah, right now. And How do you forget? It's your only job. <laughs> One okay, of the well, I, I had a list of movies because... We've been going through HBO, but I just so happened to pop on Twitter and saw that Seth Rogen tweeted that Pineapple Express is back on Netflix. So we're going to watch Pineapple Express. (laughs) Oh, man. We're going to learn so much about marijuana next week. Yeah. 
Alrighty. That'll be a fun one. Yeah, it'll be fun. I was going to pick another. Oh, uh, yeah, I was going to pick another one, but I'll save it. Uh, it seems like a movie you'd pick, not one that I would. But Oh, I wonder if I know what it is. Let me you know do, off probably. of pod. Yeah. I wonder if anyone listens to this because we've done this so many times during this episode. Huh? We're just like, oh, I already know. Like, just that. Oh. Just <laughs> sibling intuition. Yeah, that's the that's the sibling part of this is that we um we already know. We already know and we won't say it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Everyone's going to be so upset cuz they're like I want to know what it was. Well, I'll probably pick it next time maybe. Well, it depends. If it's the one I think, then I don't know if I want to do all that work. Oh. <laughs> yeah. I I can see that. <laughs> All right, well, we'll talk about it right now after we are done with this recording. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wait, let me plug the... Oh, shit. Yes, everything. Um, Follow us. If you want to give us any suggestions, um, let us know anything, honestly. Or sometimes we have stuff on our stories. We post some stuff. Um, You can follow us on Instagram at Brother Sister Show, and then Twitter is at Bro Sis Show. Let us know your Twilight opinions. <laughs> your favorite Mr. Brown song. Um, you can call him James Brown sometimes. You know that, right? Th- no. Let let us know if you've seen Robots. Is that on a? Is that on a streaming service? I would have picked that if it if it is. I'm not. I oh my god! I would be so pissed. <laughs> I should make you run your choices by me. No. Because you don't have to do the research for them. <laughs> you don't either. Just tell me to do it. No, I'll do it. I don't trust you. <laughs> My research would be like... I don't Did know. you know Get On Up is, <laughs> is a song playing robots? at the end? <laughs> <laughs> I, I would not trust your research at all. Or your notes. No. Because you'd be like, oh, I'll take notes. And then when we get to it, um, I wrote five notes down. <laughs> <laughs> do you see the notes i take this one was yeah i saw yeah i don't i don't do that all right let's end this <laughs> yeah it's gonna be a long one all right we'll see you next time goodbye see you. peace